Welcome to Screen Talk, IndieWire's weekly podcast. I'm Eric Cohn, the executive editor and chief critic, coming to you from Ann Thompson's office in Los Angeles. It's nice to sit across the table from you as usual. Here in town, uh, we had a fun FYC event hosted by various folks at IndieWire yesterday, and I've uh, just been kind of roaming around LA. We had a nice time at a party for Marriage Story yesterday. It's just like any other week, except that we happen to be in the same town. Well, it is Oscar season. It has definitely begun. Uh, If if you were to look at my email, you would see a a horrifying parade of invitations to what are, in effect, um, Academy invites. Or an exciting parade of invitations. ah, You get tired of it, actually. (laughs) It was so funny. Because I I know who these Academy voters are, and and it's sort of funny, you know, the reason that Scarlett Johansson was at that marriage party last night with, uh, you know, uh, her uh, director, Noah Baumbach, and his partner, Greta Gerwig, who's in town promoting Little Women. Um, you know, they're, they're working the room with, with the Academy voters. That is their goal in and, life. And, I, and most of those voters, if you, you know them, but most of us don't. They're sort of like, you got to be able to spot them in the room and go up and then be like, so what would you think of this or that? The other thing, which isn't always the most exciting. Uh, and of course, what they do is they come up to me to tell me what they thought because they think that's just, I'm hanging on their every word. Yeah. Um, I mean, and they will in vote. a way, I mean, that's how I learn. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing. There's, it's like the silent majority, right? On some level. These are not the people with the most prominent person. But Some of them are basically retired. Many of them are people that I, I keep thinking about go that out of their homes, uh, you know, and look forward to being like like at our event. I mean, yeah, we did what you're supposed to do. We provided food and a very convivial, pleasant setting at liaison, right. and we followed all and the rules they, exactly. They were pretty flower placements. Yeah, and then you went up, and Chris O'Fault went up, and I went up, and we did two panels apiece, and and, uh, and the got, got people some who were intel there. But you're right. I mean, it was a two hour lunch, and, and some of the people who came for that, you know, they obviously have to have the time in the middle of the day to go to a two-hour lunch. Uh, and, and those people are very proactive about going to a lot of these events and paying attention, but they're not seeing everything all at once the way that we do and a lot of times in batches at festivals. So there's this gradual accumulation. No, they're still catching up. Uh, a lot of these people really haven't uh, seen everything yet. We were talking about movies, for example, The Banker, uh, that they definitely haven't seen yet because it opens at the end exactly. of the year. It's going to be premiering at AFI Fest, though. There's a lot of open. I mean, there's obviously there's Little Women, there's Bombshell, there's still a lot in 1917. Right. So it's going to get busier, and it's going to be interesting to see how cats. a lot of cats, right, will change everything. But it, there's just a lot of unknown quantities, and there's also this question of how do they keep up with it all? Are they going to get them all online with that new No, I was uh, talking to somebody about that, that last night. Um they're going to keep doing what they're doing now. I mean, part of how this works is that they're being lured to all these events, that, which are attached to screenings. They have to be. So the one last night, they all went to see Marriage Story in a theater. You know, there was a screening. So the quote-unquote L.A. premiere. Um, they're going to be doing it that way uh, until Christmas time, and then panic is going to set in. And they're going to really have to get serious about catching up online. That's why they did it, the Academy. Yeah, it's a short because season. Because it's a short season yeah. and they need to catch and it, up. It'll be interesting. I mean, Netflix can do whatever it does, but if anybody wants to be transparent about data, it would be nice if Ampis could maybe let us know just how successful this kind of experiment is. I mean, how, how widely streamed are these movies? A lot, I've talked to a number of voters, though, who are going to say, oh, no, no, I'm going to sign up for screeners. Of course they are, because you get that shoebox that fills up. At least that's in my household. 
And it's very, it's, it gives you something physical. I haven't gotten that many yet, have you? No, it's been pretty, slow. Pretty slow. It's been slow, but there are always different For November, factors. there should be more by now. But I wonder, though, it's like for the big films, like for a marriage story or something, you're right that it's there. there is something more impactful about getting people there as, as long as you can, getting them in the room, because then they can be around talent, and they can have a nice time, and you can no, see... No, the stuff that's come through are some of the animated films, some of the docs, and something right. like Rocket Man, which is already on DVD. Exactly. You know? And then the some of the really small stuff from niche distributors and docs that they're sending out digital links or whatever, you know, there's so many different documentaries and foreign films that are vying Serious catch-up going on. Yeah. So well, let's talk about Marriage Story. What was your sense in the room now that this movie is finally coming out? They had a, they had a big launch last I've night. always been very gung-ho on Marriage Story's Oscar chances. Remember that the dominant branch of the Academy is the actors. There are more of them than anyone else. Adam Driver is the frontrunner for Best Actor, and Scarlett Johansson is in the running for Best Actress, which is turning into a more competitive race now that Charlize Theron oh, yeah. and Bombshell are in the mix, along with Renee Zellweger and Sir Ronan in right. Little Women. So that's a serious race. Although Scarlett still has this thing in her favor, which is that she gave an Oscar-worthy performance and has never been nominated, and there's a lot of goodwill for her. Maybe. Well, I think the best thing she has going for her is the popularity of the movie, which will yeah. have coattails. I've defended her to people, though. I think the, the Adam Driver specter is like overshadowing what she, she... I think she's very good in the movie, but she's more reserved to some degree, and he's she more... She has some motive. pretty major scenes. I don't yeah, understand but, I mean, it. He, but he it's his movie more. because it's... A, he has that song... Stephen Sondheim sure. song, which is like his moment. She has a song too. It's but just it's not as ju- uh, she's great. Show. She's great in this, and I think she's going to do very well. Um, and then they and have the, the other acting itself, and Laura Dern is going to probably win Alda, supporting maybe, actor. I don't think so. It's an open. That's you know, no. soft. And, uh, I don't think so. They're going to pr- campaign for yeah, him. You never know. But but Bombach, this is his best film to date. It is his best screenplay to date. He, it's best his best directing yeah. to date, and therefore I think. Uh, of all the movies that are out there, if you look at Once Upon a Time in Hollywood and you look at The Irishman, which I think are the two movies that are competing for Best Picture, with Marriage Story, Marriage Story could win. I think that this is of, of the movies because listed, everybody likes it. I would say Mar- Marriage Story and, and Irishman are among you know my favorite movies of the year. Certainly, some of the best American films of the year. But don't you think that the Joker phenomenon continues to be this incredibly oh, powerful I look aspect? at Joker no. as something else entirely. Joker is in the same category with Once Upon a Time in Hollywood and Ford v. Ferrari. These are big Hollywood movies with big budgets that have done well at the box office, ex- except for Ford v. Ferrari, which hasn't opened yet. Right. Um, I'm assuming it will, but I could be wrong. But I think it will. Um, and they have wide um, masculine appeal, really. And they have effects, and they have production design, and they have incredible scale, and beautiful sound, and beautiful music. All that stuff going but for them. I think them. Joker is in a different category than those movies because it's it's had this radical effect. People are really shaken by it. They come out of it talking about it. Which and it, people? All kinds of people. I mean, critics are very divided on the movie, but beyond that, it seems like a movie that I talk to filmmakers about it. I've talked to actors about it. Everybody people, is seeing it, um, and I think that it will get a ton of nominations and Joaquin is definitely including including Best Picture and direct you know not director not director I don't but think. how does a movie like Marriage Story which is 
actors. Incredible. But I'm but I'm telling there you, there are I mean, more of them than anyone else. But the, but, and but, writers but is, and directors. You're saying and editors. But you're saying Joker doesn't get a director nomination. It's it's so driven by that performance. It's Do they like Todd movie. Phillips? But they love Joaquin, don't they? That's actors. But if if Joaquin is also seen as like emblematic of the film's power itself, doesn't that? That's engage? a little bit. Look at Lincoln. Suppose suppose that happens again. But Lincoln again. and Joker are Daniel, so different. No, Daniel Day-Lewis won because without him, that movie wouldn't exist. And it wouldn't be anything to see without him. And Joker's sort of the same. But then it's also this so huge So how many, I, I mean, I'm not going to come up with it, whether it was 10 or 11 or whatever it was for, for Lincoln. It was a lot. That was what it won, along with art direction. Well, I don't talk to all these old Ampus people that you're finding at parties. I mean, these, they're the not Rambles. talking about Joker. They're, so, so you, your your sense from last night. But was I think it's marriage. respected as a as a really beautiful film um, in terms of its uh, production values and everything. So it could have a lot of tech nominations. Mm. I mean, so I'm I'm not. I think Joker's in the mix. I don't. I'm not ruling it out, but it's it certainly not a front along, runner along. at the box office. You know, and in some ways, when you get too successful, that's bad. Well, we'll see how Mary's story. Look at Star is Born. Yeah, it could be. It could be a repeat of that. Yeah, I mean, I think with Star is Born, though, you had other factors. I mean, it's it's weird. It's not a one to one thing, obviously, but it's. I mean, same studio and. They're coming back after that experience, maybe having learned things. I don't know. We talked yeah. about this before. I think maybe it's possible that winning um, in Venice, which seemed to be a good thing, maybe was a bad thing. It helped to turn the critics against it. Well, I, I, I mean, I, I guess maybe I have less on the line saying Joker could be a front runner, but, but I do think that the idea of Joker or or Hollywood to but me. But did you talk to a bunch of Academy members who told you that Joker was their favorite movie I've and that they some, were voting for it for yeah, Best Picture? Yeah. I mean, really? And, and, well, like let's say I like highly a, doubt that. Not not to the same volume that you have, but I've talked to a lot of filmmakers. I've talked to some actors, and the sense that I got is that, irrespective of what critics have said about this movie, that people are really fired up and positive about this movie within the industry. I so, agree with that, and I'm not arguing with you that it's going to be in the mix. I just don't think it's a front runner now. It's well, too then, early. How do, how does a movie like Hollywood continue to stay in the mix? Because uh, the I'm Hollywood. Sort of, yeah. How much are we really? Are, oh, people, are people love talking? Tarantino. But the Tarantino factor. I mean, that, but that's how he always wins screenplay, right? Or, well, or whatever. but he's I mean. overdue for director. He's never won that. It'll be interesting to see if he wins best director. That's what this year. could happen. I, mean, I think Bong Joon Ho will get nominated, and I think it'll get a ton of nominations, seven or so. You know, production a parasite design, exactly, but but and it will be best picture nominated, I think, and director and writer and 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 that's a lot, you know. But but I don't I don't see it being necessarily a best picture winner. So deeper on marriage story, the Adam Driver factor is interesting because you're saying Joaquin, you know, there's all this goodwill for him, all the actors want to support him. So how does he not have the edge over an Adam Driver who's really great and also a widely respected actor? But it's you know. It's a quieter performance. I would say that Joaquin Phoenix gets a lot of respect, but he also has negatives around him, uh, kind of hijacking the movie or creating a lot of chaos or walking off the set. I mean, all that, all that publicity wasn't necessarily altogether good for him, but I still think the actors respect him, and he's a very strong uh, competitor against Adam Driver. There's goodwill for Adam Driver. He's the classy guy. Mm -hmm. He's the one who's who's making such good choices with all of his directors, and he's had such a great body of work for such a young actor. I think he's really uh, in good shape for this. He's, he's also, his, his, his back And he sings Sondheim. 
Yeah, no, that scene is great. I mean, there's a lot of Sondheim, and there's there's Sondheim in Joker too. He just doesn't sing it's true. it. <laughs> Maybe if he sang the song, he'd have the edge. But that'll be an interesting one to see how how you know does Joaquin Phoenix have a meltdown at some point, or is he just sort of going to? Well, have what he and Todd and... Phillips enjoy doing are these fake outs, uh, you know, these sort of edgy, uh, you know, anti-promotional. Uh, things like the the Jimmy Kimmel show, uh, which wasn't he was you know, necessarily a good thing. Yeah, well, but it's funny because I was thinking back to when um, Christian Bale was in the fighter, and then that audio broke where he was like yelling at DP on that Terminator movie, and it, it like created such a storm of bad press for him. But he still won the Oscar. I mean, at the end of the day, he was sort of like he said that that was he made a mistake, and people moved on. So. You know, that'll be interesting to see how they deal with that. The other thing about Marriage Story, and this is kind of a big picture thing, is so Netflix movies in the fall have started opening now. So Irishman opened in some theaters. We had, it seemed like a pretty reasonable estimate. Our box office guy, Tom, said, what, 350K plus or minus 25K. He gave it weekend. a really good uh, numerical grade uh, based on looking at all the different theaters and painstakingly counting the seats and seeing where the sellouts were. So, and maybe it would have made more in wide release, but nevertheless, it, uh, it's pretty good for, uh, for that scale of a movie. I mean, they did make a theatrical phenomenon out of it, albeit a sort of a, a limited one in that opening weekend. I was a little dismayed by the head of NATO's uh, broadside against Netflix as though he was, uh, this is John Fithian, um, who I Times. respect and yeah. like and know well, but he, he, he really did uh, go up against, um, He was. it was almost like he was jumping on down on them, you know, rooting for them to fail. As though you know, he and his theater owner, big chain uh, theater owners, had 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 been victorious in holding back the tide. They and, achieved and something by limiting the exactly, life of and the that movie. really shouldn't be the That's way the, they're yeah. thinking. It's annoying, and and I I think that that the, these are good movies that audiences want to see in theaters, and the theater chains are preventing that from happening, and I think that is a bad thing. It'll, and and they were very close in the negotiations. They were talking about Netflix was negotiating for 45-day window, which is a lot longer than the one they're doing now. Yeah. And 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 um, 45 from 60, who is sort of or like the, a, no no a, the 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 90 is what it is right. officially, and they were going down to 75. 75 the right. theaters. And, and, yeah. So so it, it isn't that far apart. But but they, I do believe that Netflix should be given credit for attempting to make a deal with the theaters. And some people see this in, in a way that, that the theaters are just hanging on for dear life, holding back the tide as long as they can. Well, they also just don't... I mean, if they had something to pivot to, they would. You they know? should experiment. They, if they should had make, a... They should see what happens. Well, AMC's trying to launch some kind of streaming thing right now. I'm sure that if AMC could turn its turn out its own Netflix subscriber model that was super successful, it would not care about its brick and mortar operations. There's no like passionate engagement there. It's just it's the business I'm not model sure. they have. I'm not sure that's true. I don't think there's an ideology in play here. I think it's just it's a about, business. It's the business that they it's think a business works that's and they set up a certain way and they have shareholders and they have all sorts of people calling on yeah. them to deliver certain numbers. It's a corporate thing and they it's almost 
I think it's almost, a, 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 I'm not saying they're like Trump, but I think it's that sense uh -oh. of Republicans seeing things one way and Democrats seeing things in a very different way. Yeah, and never the worlds. twain shall meet. In different values. They see the world differently. Yeah, although, I mean, if Netflix is a Democrat, it, if that's the mindset here, there, it's, there is some. It's perhaps a question of progressiveness versus a conservatism that wants to keep things the way they are. They yeah. they know though. They're not stupid. They're no. businessmen, and the theater they're owners know to, they're to that they're going to have to you know back down yeah. eventually. And and then with Marriage Story, so the Paris Theater is like reopening in New York, which is really cool. I've seen some photos of it. It you know they've rented it out, but. There's rumors that maybe that'll be long I think Netflix is going to hang on yeah, to that. Yeah, the Velasco was a one-shot. Yeah, Velasco felt more like the special occasion kind of a thing anyway. It's like an old it's Broadway really, house. I think it's really fun that they it's did expensive. that. Yeah, yeah, I mean, do, do it more for other kinds of stuff. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, with Marriage Story opens at the Paris, you know, that'll be, people will go see that movie. And that's, that's that'll a be a movie that's seen the way it should be seen. Totally. And, and they'll have lines around York the movie. block. It'll be very Woody yeah. Allen back in the day. Exactly. And we'll still have to play guesswork for the box office. But, Unfortunately. Uh, you know, but, uh, but I think it'll be cool. And so with The Irishman out and Marriage Story out, it does really put Netflix in the month of November in a pretty good position to say, look, we're having a theatrical moment right now. Right? I mean, the next few weeks they'll have major I don't know. What's fascinating about them is that, is that as much as they've advanced in the marketing world, um, you know, from where they used to be, what they're really doing is marketing awards. They're using awards and that campaign. That's what the theaters are for. And they're to make the filmmakers happy. But for an it's audience It's really not member, their business not. model. They don't care if they no, make money not. in theaters. No, of course not. But for an audience member who buys a ticket to Marriage Story and has a great time, they, they get something out of that irrespective of what Netflix's end goal is. And so there is still that cultural value to what's happening. Irishmen should totally yeah. be seen in theaters, and so should Marriage Story. Yeah. People should share that experience. Yeah, and, and then, you know, also tell us once they're on Netflix how many people watched it because <laughs> that completes the equation, too. Yeah, I know. I mean, their argument against that is that if they tell us uh, how many people watched one thing, then they have to tell you how many people watched everything, and that affects all these other things in the business, like... You know, if an actor knows that their show is really popular, they're going to ask for more money or whatever. So they like the opaqueness. There was of an it. interesting story in the Hollywood Reporter where they assembled all the studio heads, and that included the head that Scott Stuber from Netflix and yeah. Jennifer Salke from Amazon, who is technically the only person on that uh, roundup who actually is in charge of television. Also, right, all the That's other ones are too. in charge of uh, of, uh, of movies. Um, and, and they kind of admitted that they hate having to declare the box office grosses. Of course, that everybody they wish, does. That they wish they didn't have it's to. It's not a dirty secret, are, I don't and think. And <laughs> Netflix. Yeah. They're pissed off that Netflix doesn't have to do it, too. Yeah, I mean, it's. I think most people agree. So this is a phenomenon that started and then nobody could stop it. And now... No, you know, I remember when you didn't get the grosses until Monday. Right. So it was... It's and, back and in the fun, day. Right? Yeah. But it, but it is still valuable on some on some level to you know there's probably a happy medium here and we just haven't figured out what the metrics are just to say what does success look like in this space so that we could stop whining about it all the time because it's true that when we report box office we don't talk about how people are watching things at home 
And if we don't know how certain films are being seen in theaters, then we are ourselves not being accurate. Let's just ask the question of what does the audience really want? What do moviegoers really want? They want to be able to see whatever they want to see whenever they want to see it. And if it were day and date, and some of them went to the movies and some of them watched it on streaming, ideally, that's what they want. They want to see it as soon as it's available. So speaking of Amazon, Amazon has a movie opening this week, Honey Boy, which they acquired out of Sundance. And I have to say, I mean, I thought this movie was okay when I saw it at Sundance, but I'm very impressed with how much its profile has grown. A lot of people who I, you know, identify as not necessarily super serious film goers or non-industry have noticed it. They've asked me about it. So it's getting good marketing. There's a campaign. There's a lot of goodwill for Shia LaBeouf which is actually quite fascinating in a way. So. It's a great story, I have to say. I wrote about it this week. I, I am impressed with that movie. I didn't catch up with it until Toronto, where it played in front of an enormous theater, Roy Thompson Hall. And, and it was really a, a cathartic, healing kind of movie as therapy. He wrote about his father in, in court-mandated uh, rehab. And... Um, Luckily, he had this this already established uh, relationship of trust with this uh, Israeli filmmaker uh, Alma Harel, who's who's fantastic and came up in music videos and commercials and documentaries. And Adopted she great. took everything she knew. Bombay Beach, right? Yeah, Bombay Beach and Love True are both worth which checking he out. helped make. He financed it. Yeah, that was it. where the relationship yeah. came. and together. he did a, um, a a Sugar Ross um, uh, video with her. Right. Um, Visually, she's very talented, and I think you can see it in this movie and some of the kind of the the montage sequences and stuff. It's like it's kind of capturing the memory, the highs and the lows of of, of Shy's character when he's a child, and I think that's the most impressive part of it. Storytelling-wise, I think it's a little hokey in parts. I wasn't totally blown away by everything there, but the, it's interesting. The really intense stuff, and, and I, I can tell you that, that I have some experience as, as the child of an alcoholic, so I think anyone who's gone through that will recognize some of the intensity of, of how you can love somebody incredibly much and still be at their mercy in terms of how they can hurt you. Right. And um, what they did, what she did here very effectively was marshal the screenplay, get him to play his father, which was not his idea, um, and get and get this great young actor, Noah Jupe and uh, Lucas Hedges to play the two, uh, the young Shia and the older Shia called Otis in the movie. Um, and they stand up to to uh, to the material. They do very well with it. Well, there's some really cool shots. I mean, the opening shot on the Transformers set, for example, is just really fascinating. And for Shia LaBeouf, who's had this very weird kind of like meta star quality in the last few years, whether it's like getting arrested at a Broadway show or, you know, these weird Wearing installation Wearing a bag on pieces. his head. And yeah, or like watching all his movies in reverse and live streaming his reactions for days on end. It's like he was heading into like kind of proto-James Franco type of territory, you know, but then seems to have stabilized in some up. way. Yeah, but the fact that he's he's sober and and seems to be making amends through the film itself is what's fascinating about it. And like I like the cinema memoir kind of vibe and going he's, here. And he's made amends with his father and his his mother. I mean, they they were not talking to him for a long time. And he hadn't we, seen his father for seven years before he. We haven't heard from the father about this movie. Notably, well, he's around. So. He's around. But but um, but that does tell you just how raw that that relationship really is. But the other thing I was thinking about was, is this movie 
an awards movie because there is a there are there are murmurings of a campaign to Shia LaBeouf get a screenplay nomination. He deserves it, I think, and so I think does he for acting as well as he does in this movie. It's pretty intense what he does, but I think the reality is that there's a long list of people ahead of this movie. I, I just hope people see it. Yeah, it would be interesting to see what happens now that I think actors will appreciate it. So in terms of other stuff that's going on, right now we have Doc NYC coming up. Uh, this week there's a lunch honoring Martin Scorsese. They always do an opening lunch and they honor somebody. And I think that's a very clever move by Netflix to oh, put him in that. they're not missing any opportunities, <laughs> like, believe me. I mean, the, the I reminding he's doing a tribute that. at the AFI also. Right, he's he's ubiquitous, which is amazing because getting Martin And Santa Barbara, stuff, he's, he's going up to Santa Barbara right, for a tribute. Right, he's on the treadmill, as they say. <laughs> but but it, but that'll be really interesting because he's got also this documentary, and he is actually a great documentary filmmaker. But no it also, question. it just serves that, remember that the Irishman is The Rolling Thunder doc. Yeah, Rolling Thunder, if you want to call it a which documentary. Which is on Netflix. Netflix, which should be exactly. seen. It's delightful. Bob Dylan. Exactly. So that so that's happening. They'll have the Doc NYC shortlist, which we've talked about before. But obviously, all of those filmmakers are going to be in New York doing Q and A's for the various things that are happening there. And probably most of the, most of the nominees are on that list. I mean, it's a pretty well curated. Elephant thing, Queen so. is on there. We did that yesterday at the uh, FYC event. That's that's a movie that looks like it's a family friendly. And Apple picked it up because of its of, of its wide demo potential. Um, but it's when you get into how they made that movie, it's pretty amazing, um, and I highly recommend it. And then you have these Nat Geo films, you know, uh, The Cave, Sea of Shadows, a very intense kind of risk, risky type of filmmaking in environments where the filmmakers putting their life on the line. It was very. Yeah. I was talking to um, Faris Fayad. Is that how yeah. you say it? He um, he 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 did Last Man in Aleppo, which was Oscar nominated, and he's. Um, a champion of Syrian filmmakers, and I was moved by the fact that he was really promoting Fursama, um, even though on, on some level she's his competition. Probably his reps are like, stop talking about no, that movie. No, I think it's <laughs> lovely, and he talked about it with me backstage yesterday. They're complimentary. I was really, no, he, he's rooting for her. They it's should important. be. I mean, it's an important movie. There's something bigger than wants people to here. see it. Yeah, you know? it's about his country. Exactly. So, but they, but it is a busy campaign season. So, I mean, who knows how things will shake down with those two films vying for attention and. Um, and in the overall scheme of things, it's usually well, they might both make the shortlist. Yeah, it's an open question, obviously. Mm -hmm. um, and well, we should also briefly address the situation with Nigeria. Uh, this past week that Nigeria's uh, Oscar submission was disqualified by the Academy because it's in English, which is the official language of Nigeria. All right. So um, there was a period of time before 2006 when the foreign language Oscar was, um, you had to submit the, the, the film, each country submits a film if they want to. It has to be, it used to have to be in the official language of that country. Yeah. But it was always non-English language. And so what's happened since then is they tried to open it up effectively so that if you were in the UK or Ireland or New Zealand or, or Australia, you could submit something in a, an indigenous language. Yeah. In a, the, the Irish entry this year called Gaza is in Arabic. And the Swedish entry is from Georgia. Right. And then so there's all kinds of ways to skin this cat, but the 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 issue with Nigeria, it was the first time they'd ever submitted. They didn't seem to know what the rules were because there was only 11% Igbo in the movie. If it had been 
more than 50% Igbo, it could have been submitted. So if they have many indigenous languages in, in Nigeria, but English, it's they were colonized, colonized by the yeah. Brits, so they have that as their official language. But, but this award has always been non-English language. But it is, it is a fundamental flaw that doesn't allow for the nature of languages in different countries. I mean, the band's visit being disqualified in a situation where... It was less than 50%. But, it, but, but the point in is, English, what, what is the award for? This has been for, the rule the whole time. But the, but it the, hasn't changed. What they did was change the title of it. To best international feature but, uh, but film, what I'm saying and is I think that that's where some of the misunderstanding is coming in. People forget about this rule until something like this happens, and then so they so argue. Guess what? Israel submitted another movie instead. Um, I think it was called Beaufort, and it got nominated for the first time in many years for Israel. That's great. I mean, it worked out well, but the disqualification it of was that not movie in English. Was, was not. I mean, on some level, it just doesn't. It's antithetical to the argument that that the Oscars should award non Amer non the foreign films, the films that are from other places, because it was uh, the use of English in that film was unique to a foreign situation. So it's an so. interesting question. I actually have more trouble with. I think they're being consistent. They stood up for what their rules are. These are the rules. Nigeria didn't seem to know what the rules were. Netflix didn't seem to inform them of what the rules were. They picked up that movie. And they maybe um, weren't even thinking about it, and and they should have disqualified it before it was before they qu they qualified the movie and then disqualified it. It would have been better if they had figured out ahead of time that it wasn't uh, eligible. I do wonder, Joe, just how much this conversation will be ongoing. I mean, maybe the film was never going to get nominated in the first place anyway. But this is the same rules know. they've been playing with for years. It hasn't changed. But rules can change, can't they? I mean, but. If you think about it, Eric, this makes the way they do this makes many films from many English-speaking countries eligible that weren't eligible before. Okay, so *Parasite's* going to win anyway. So all ah, of this is a, all, all right. for not. And then the yeah. other the other thing um, uh, that's interesting about this is that the American movies that are in foreign languages aren't eligible. Yeah. So you go. The farewell isn't eligible, right, exactly. or Minash, you know, like the Yiddish film. All, yeah, Minash from, from a few years ago. Yeah, yeah. It was a Brooklyn, a Brooklyn based movie. <laughs> all in Yiddish. Yiddish. Yeah, or farewell, which a couple of years ago people really would have thought it's a foreign film because it's mostly in Mandarin. Or Mel Gibson's The Passion of the yeah. Christ. Well, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you're not How rooting deep for do that you one. Go? <laughs> <laughs> Aramaic, Latin, and Hebrew. <laughs> oh my God, and anti-Semitism. Uh, so next week we'll talk more about what's been going on in Doc NYC. We. We've got AFI Fest coming up so we can dig deeper into all of that and um, hopefully some other things happen because we're in the thick of it now. The season's off to the races. So I will talk to you when I'm back in New York. Always nice to have you here, Eric. Thanks. To torture in person. <laughs>